Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. This is Palm Sunday, Saints of God. And um, uh, I, I had another message, so I thought. And like I told you guys, I, I don't preach sermons. I, I, God give me messages. And um, I had another message that, I, that I, I thought, listen to the words, that I thought that I was going to preach today, but God had other thoughts. And so I had to uh, yield to his thoughts. And so he had a different plan. And this is the plan that I feel like he gave me this morning. Amen. Now, it's okay to talk back and all that good stuff because I truly believe uh, it's going to be one of those messages that's going to allow you to think a little bit uh, because I want you to insert yourself into the story. So I, I do have three different areas that I need to read to you this morning, and then I'm going I'm to tie it all together. Is that okay? Okay, so we're going to start in the Old Testament, and we're going to go to the Minor Prophets. Let's go to the book of Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 9. And put your finger there. We're going to go to the book of Acts chapter 1, and then we're going to roll over to Mark chapter 11. So I'm going to give you some scriptures here that I think is, uh, they, they are vitally important to us in the message that I have today. Amen. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. I'm going to go ahead and start reading there, uh, even as you turn. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king comes unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon a donkey. I'm going to change the wording here. Because of the little ones, I don't want you to have to answer questions when you go home today and say, why was that pastor up there cussing? And then you got to go through all that. So I'm going to help you out, parents. I'm going to say donkey. <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> Glory to God. And upon a coat, a foal of a donkey. So let's go over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. This is Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke wrote the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, but also the book of Acts. He says, these formal treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do. Somebody say he began to do it. He began to do and to teach. Notice he began to do and teach. He didn't teach to do. And there's too many people teaching something that they're not doing. And Jesus said he began to do and then he taught. Uh, you must walk the walk before you talk to talk. Amen. Glory to God. So Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto his apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, after his pain, after the cross for many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Notice after his pain, after his cross, he talked to the people about the kingdom, not church. He did not say he, he told them things pertaining to the church. He talked to them about things pertaining to the kingdom. Because if you focus so much on church, everything that you do is going to be in church. But the church is not in here. The church is in here. For the Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. And if you're not in the church, then God isn't in the church. 
because God doesn't inhabit inanimate objects. He inhabits the praises and his people. And so the presence of God comes in the church the moment you step foot in it. The spirit of the Lord is here because you're here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Is that good? After his passion, after his passion is the word spaskol, paskol. In the Greek, it means to suffer sadly. After his pain, after his passion, you show me a person that has a lot of passion, and I'll show you a person that's been through a lot of pain. The reason I can preach with a lot of passion is because I've been through so much pain in my life. And out of my pain, I can minister passion. Glory to God. It was after his passion. Let's turn left to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 1. Mark chapter 11, Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 11. We're going to start reading at verse 1. You can also find the same story in Matthew chapter 21 and Luke chapter 19. Uh, so you can get a greater reference. And it's good to read all of the gospels. And you can also find it, I think, over in John chapter 12. Uh, but I love the four gospels because I, I love the fact that each gospel says something slightly different. See, see, the reason I know that this, these four Gospels are true is because they didn't say the same thing exactly alike. Right? See, that, that proves the authenticity of the Gospel message because they all saw things from their own vantage point. See, if we were right there at that interstate, there are four different stop areas there. And if there was one accident right there in the middle and we got four different people at that stop sign, we all see things from a different vantage point. So when the police officer goes to fill out his report and he says, what did you see? They couldn't see from the other person's vantage point. They can only see from their own. So each gospel saw Jesus from their own vantage point, which proves the authenticity because they saw things in a different way. So when you have the skeptics to say, well, Mark said it a little bit different than Luke, praise God, I'm glad he did. Because if they all said the same thing at the same time the same way, that means that they all got together and they conspired to write the gospel, and then that would be man, not God. I'm not here for apologetics, but I thought I'd throw that in there for free. Praise God. So uh, Mark says here, Mark 11 and 1, it says, And when they came nigh to Jerusalem and to Bethage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent in forth two of his disciples. In verse 2 it says, and said to them, go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as ye be entered into it, you shall find a coat tied wherein never a man sat. Loose him and bring him. Verse 3, and if any man says unto you, why do you do this? Say that the Lord has need of him. Somebody said he needed him. And straightway he will send him hither. I love the way the King James, hither, you know, hither. We don't say that stuff anymore, right? We need to get back to that hither and betwixt and between. I like that stuff. And, and begot. Y'all don't want to do that, do you? I was just seeing who was going to say, yeah, let's get back to that. I'm like, no, I don't want to go back to that. <laughs> that sounds more like a played in real life, amen? And so then they went their way and found the coat tied by the door without in a place where two ways met. That's vitally important, in a place where two ways met. So in other words, they found the coat tied up at a crossroads. They loosed him 
And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye, why do ye loose this colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let him let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. He sat upon him. Notice, Jesus sat on a donkey. You get that picture there. He sat on a donkey. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches of the trees, and they strewed them in the way. And and if you read the history books, uh, these were palm branches. Uh, This is why they call this Palm Sunday, because they had a whole, I don't have time to go through it, but they had a whole ritualistic thing that they did with palm trees at that particular time. And I can't go there. And so, but they had palm branches, and they were praising, and and they that went before, and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And blessed be the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem, into the temple. And when he had looked round about all things, and now the evening time was come, and he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. Let's go back up to verse 7 because this is vitally important. It says, and they brought the coat, they brought the donkey to Jesus, and they cast their garments on it. And Jesus sat on the donkey. He sat on the donkey. I want to preach from the subject, the odd couple the odd couple. (laughs) Father, in the name of Jesus, I just come before you right now, God, and I just thank you so much for the reading of your word. Father, just just let my tongue be the pen of a ready writer to write on the hearts of this here, your people. Let this word bless your people today. Edify them and build them up. Lord, and I just give you the praise and you the glory in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. As we approach the final days for his passion, uh, we come to the day typically known as Palm Sunday. It's also called Passion Sunday, which is the first uh, day of Holy Week. What I want you to do is I need you to insert yourself into this story so that we can get a panoramic, revelatory view of what's going on. Because I have found that reading the Word of God, if you put yourself into the story, don't, don't, don't be external to the story. Put yourself in the story so you can see everything that was going on. Think of it if you were one of the disciples at this particular time with Jesus. You had seen Jesus do things that no man had ever done before. They had seen Jesus preach the Sermon on the Mount where he taught them about their influence and being salt and light. When he taught them about Christian ethics and character. They had seen Jesus heal lepers, open the blind eyes, cause the lame to walk and the mute men to talk. They had seen Jesus heal the woman with an issue of blood when she came up behind him and touched the hem of his garment and she was not just healed. The Bible said she was made whole. They had seen Jesus have compassion on this woman named Mary that was about to be stoned but even when you insert yourself into that story, I had to ask myself where was the man? You can't do that with one person. But that's a whole nother story. I'll preach that one at another time. I'm on some different assignment today. They had seen Jesus bring dead men back to life like Lazarus and the widow's son at the city of name. They had seen Jesus heal Jairus' 12-year-old daughter and Peter's mother-in-law. They had seen Jesus walk on water as if he was walking on dry ground. Uh, they had seen him calm the raging seas. They had seen him cast out demons. In the city of Gadarene. But now they're entering into Jerusalem. And now the mood of the master has changed. 
Something changed on this fateful day. He had performed miracles, but not at this moment. For the first time, the disciples are beginning to see Jesus experience a very human emotion. For the first time, they see Jesus because now he, he was healing people, but not at this particular moment. They see Jesus, now he's moody and, and he's hostile and, and, and he's, he's doing some things that they had never seen Jesus do before. And at this time, Jesus is saying, this is not the time for you to be playing games on this particular Holy Week. This is not the time for you to be sleeping when you should be praying. This is not the time for you to be a fig with no fig fruit on it, huh? Or a fig tree with no fruit. Because this is the time that you might get cursed. So in other words, this is not the time for you to look fruitful and not be fruitful. This is not the week to be playing games with Jesus. Because at this particular time, Jesus is taking his whip out. He's going into the temple and he's kicking hotties and taking names. This is not the time to be playing games with Jesus. He's real. He's confrontational right now. He's hostile. You're like, where's that compassionate side? Jesus said, I don't have time to play because this thing is about to wrap up. Somebody say it's about to wrap up. He was doing all of this, and Jesus was proving a point that in the midst of all of this, Jesus said, I got something that I need to do. I need to go into Jerusalem. And then the scriptures in Zechariah chapter 9 and 9 prove this out, that Jesus wanted to go into Jerusalem exactly like the word says. Jesus could have gone into Jerusalem any kind of way he wanted to. He could have went in on a cloud. He could have rolled in on a chariot. He could have just boom, boom, and appeared there. Jesus could have went in with the heavenly host of angels all with him, accompanying him to go into Jerusalem, but he didn't do that. And so when, when we begin to look at this, Jesus says he was walking, he was getting ready to go into Jerusalem, and right in the middle of the road, Jesus stops and says, I got something on my mind. So since we're in the story, let's talk to Jesus. Want to talk to Jesus? So we're going to ask Jesus, well, what's on your mind, Jesus? Because if you're stopping in the middle of the road and we already know that we shouldn't go into Jerusalem because there's imminent danger for you in Jerusalem. They already told you they're going to take your life if you go into Jerusalem. And as Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem, he stops in the middle of the road and said, I have gone into Jerusalem many times before, but this time I got to go a different way. So he stops in the middle of the road and he says, I got something on my mind. I can't go until this is, is done right. And they say, what's on your mind? He said, I got a coat down there on my mind. He said, I got something on my mind. I can't go in until we go get the coat. And when you go find this coat, this is where you're going to find him. You're going to find him all tied up. And he's going to be at a crossroads. You see, saints of God, I'm trying to paint a metaphor for you here. And I'm painting on the canvas of grace because some of us was all tied up at a crossroads. And Jesus said, I got, I got something on my mind. I can't say it like I really want to say it, but he's got a donkey down there on his mind. He said, go down there and get him. And he said some amazing words. He says, uh, if any man questions you about loosening this thing that I have on my mind, this thing that I know I can't really go into Jerusalem without tying myself up to this thing, this thing that I know it don't look right. And I know when people see me with this thing, I know people, they're going to be concerned about why would Jesus ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, this thing. I know we're going to look like an all couple. 
He said, if any man asks you why you lose the coat, tell him that the Lord has need of him. Now, see, this, this text, it baffles me because it's oxymoronic. I hope there's a word, praise God. Y'all better look at Webster because I put one up on you. It means that it doesn't make sense to have the Lord and need in the same sentence. See, see, because when I think of the Lord, the Lord has never asked a question that he couldn't answer. See, when, when you think about the Lord, the Lord is, is the creator of the universe. When you, when you think about the Lord, you don't think about the Lord and need in the same sentence. See, when you think about the Lord, David said, Ever, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. Uh, Job said, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Not a new job, not a new church, not a new career, but it's the breath of God that gives me life. Paul said, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. See, when we talk about the Lord, the Bible says that the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. Heaven and earth adore him at the presence of the Lord. It said that the seas claps his hands and the birds sing purely for his enjoyment. That's when we talk about the Lord. See, when I think about the Lord and need in the same sentence, it just doesn't make sense to see the all-sufficient one, the all-powerful one, the all-knowing one, the all-present one has need. How can we say that God has need? It's quite amazing, isn't it, when you think about it and you say him and need, because when I think about need, I think about me. When I think about need, I think about you. And I, I think that when we see this, it blows my mind because I know that the Lord said he needed the donkey but the donkey really needed the Lord. Why would God send for a colt or a donkey when he could have had an angel? See, I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture here for you because unfortunately there are so many people in the church today don't see that they are needed. And they lose hope because they don't feel like they're needed. So I'm trying to make sure that you see something that Jesus is trying to show us in this cult that he chose that the prophet Zechariah spoke about prophetically that this was going to happen is that the Lord needs you. See, see, when I, I can't even wrap my mind around why I was such an awesome God needs something like me. See, when you think about the picture that Jesus is painting here, because, you know, it was just a few days later when he decided to go to the cross. And before he went to the cross, he said, I got to connect with an odd thing. I know there was this song uh, that Kurt Carr sang, and most of you know it. It said, uh, this is uh, uh, that uh, that's just the way the father is. You guys remember that song? Well, it's one passage in that song. Man, every time he gets to that part, it messes me up. He said, how could he love me knowing all he knows about me? See, it is difficult to conceive that the Lord would need us and know us. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. That might have went over some of y'all heads right there, right there. Let me slow that thing down. It is difficult. Did you hear that? You got it? Okay. It is difficult to think that the Lord would need you and know you. Because being that he knows you, you wouldn't think that he needed you. 
Because he knows you've been a donkey. <laughs> uh, he knows you've been visceral and mean and vile to people. See, he already knows all of the nastiness about your life. But Jesus still says in the middle of the road that he was about to go and do something that was the hardest thing that he ever had to do. He, it was so hard that he even told the father, Father, please let this cup pass from me. Because he was about to do something that was very difficult. But before he did it, he said, I got something on my mind. It's a donkey. And I have need of it. See, this, this, is, this is one of the things that I, I see about the Lord because, see, even in the midst of my, my difficulties and in the midst of my unbelief and in the midst of my craziness and in the midst of my, like your word, being retarded, God says he's in my plans. See, see, you got to see this, saints of God, because Jesus could have just went on into Jerusalem, but he couldn't do it because the donkey was in the plans. Are you seeing this with me, saints of God? That it doesn't matter because a donkey is a very vile beast. It's a stubborn beast. It's, a, it's one of them jokers. You, you tell them what's good, and that joker say, I don't want that. Y'all might have some living in your house right now. There's a bunch of donkeys in the house. There's a bunch of donkeys in the church right now because God says, I know you have need, but you need me more than I need you. But I want you to see how much I need you. See, on this Palm Sunday, you got to see how much the Lord needs you this morning. I don't know how it was in your heart when you came into this building this morning, but I want you to leave this building knowing that God's love for you will show you just in, in what he, would, he was able to do for you in not doing what they wanted him to do. See, they wanted Jesus to take over. But Jesus said, no, I'm coming in low. You can't go in and lower than riding in on a donkey. Uh -huh. See, see, you're going to find out what that donkey really means. And, and I hope it, it means something good to you, because when Jesus chose that donkey, he could have chosen anything to use to go into Jerusalem. But he chose the base things, uh, the vile things, uh, the things that nobody else wanted in life. Uh, see, everybody wants you when you got a title, uh, when you're deacon so-and-so and your elder so-and-so and your bishop so-and-so. But don't nobody but Jesus wants you when nobody else knows you. And Jesus said, I got need of you. Touch your heart and say, he needs me. And look at your neighbor and say, God needs you. He needed you. He needed you. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says that for the, I know the plans that I have towards you. See, Jesus said, he's in my plan. See, Jesus had to tell his disciples, see, I want you to go get this donkey because what you don't realize is that that donkey is in my plans. See, let me see if I can break this down to North Carolina English. See, see, when I was back drinking, acting a fool, I was in his plans. See, see, when I was back womanizing, she knows it. In the clubs, I closed the clubs. He, I was in his plans. See, when I was in this horrible accident because I was too drunk to drive, in the middle of the interstate, doing donuts in the middle of Central Expressway in Dallas, Texas. Now, one scratch, I got out of the car. I was so drunk, I said, mm, my car's messed up. Wow. Couldn't ba I could barely walk. I was in his plans. When I was drinking so much that I would drink in the mornings and drink at night, I would drink for breakfast. I just, I was, I just like to drink. I had so many purple bags in my house. See, only the people who drink know what I'm talking about. 
if you ain't never drank anything, y'all don't know. See, look at that, all the holy folks talking about, I don't know, what are you talking about right now? I go in your house right now, I got them little purple bags full of pennies. Uh, in here talking about y'all think you were holy, repelling off of them biblical cards, speaking in tongues. No, no, you, you wasn't that holy, praise God. Uh, see, I was in his plans then. See, see, I want you to be encouraged this morning, saints of God, because, see, although you may not feel like you're all holy, you may not feel like you are a bishop, and you may not feel like you're an apostle, you may not feel like you're a prophet, you may not feel like you're an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher or a deacon or an elder or an overseer, but God came in here to tell you through me that you are needed. You don't have to have a title. All that stuff is superficial anyway. When you go into a place, you, I don't need a title when you know I spent time with God. I don't have to prove to you that I spend time with God. The word alone will let you know that I spent time with God. And when you go around people, I don't have to talk the talk when I'm walking a walk. There were scores of times before Jesus ever opened his mouth when the demons looked at Jesus and said, oh, wait a minute. Why are you here right now? Jesus never spoke a word. He just stepped foot in the land of the Gadarenes. And the demons cried out before he said a word. And that's what God wants to do in your life. Before you even speak a word, as soon as you walk into that hospital room, the demons are saying, hold on. Why are you up in this hospital room? Because the light of God just stepped into the place. Why? Because you were there. God has called the whole church to lay hands on the sick and raise the dead. It's not just for a faithful few. It's for the blood washed, praise God. It's for the redeemed, hallelujah. It's for those that are the children of God. Those are the ones that can lay hands on the sick and raise the dead. Somebody say, he's talking about me. Glory to God. I want you to be encouraged this morning because the Lord has need of you. But there's about four things I want to share with you. Uh, and then we're going to go and go home. So let me extrapolate just to. Just a couple of little things I want to show you, and then, then we're done. Is that okay? Amen. See, see, the first thing I want to show you is that uh, the first thing is the Lord knows how to locate you. Wow. See, see, <laughs> see, he knows how to locate you because the Bible says uh, the coat was down the road. See, 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 Jesus wasn't in the place where the coat was, but he knew where it was. See, see, before you even decided to get saved, See, see, when you were still out there tripping, that's a ghetto way of saying you lost your mind. See, even, <laughs> I'm trying to keep the ghetto out today, but even, even, even knowing that, Jesus knew where you were. He knows how to locate you. See, he said, he told them, go down the road there and you will find this coat down the road. <laughs> and see, I love Psalms 139, 7 and 8. It says this. Where can I go to escape your, your spirit? Or where can I flee your presence? Check this out. He says, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell. See, the Lord knows how to locate you. Amen. But here's the second one. The Lord knows how to direct you too. He knows how to locate you, but he knows how to direct you. Because in verse 4, he said, he found them where two ways met see and that's interesting for me because this is a place called a crossroads 
Because when he saw you, he saw you at a crossroads. Huh? Hallelujah. Nobody in this room ever got saved until they got to a crossroads. See, when you get to the crossroads, that's when you can hear the call because you was too busy doing your own thing until you hit that wall and now you started listening. Because, see, it's at the crossroads where you hear the call. Glory to God. Somebody know what I'm talking about in here because I was acting crazy until I got to the crossroads. And when I got to the crossroads, I heard his call. Praise God. Glory to God. See, the crossroads is a place of transition. See, God is trying to transition you at the crossroads. See, you shouldn't be tied up too long because if you stay tied up too long, then you get complacent. And, and, and then, then, then you become visceral and, and then you become cantankerous and then, then don't nobody want to be around you because you're tied up too long and because you're at the crossroads, praise God. And see, if you're at the crossroads, you got to do like Paul. Paul said, in the only way that I can transition into my future, first of all, i got to let go of my past. See, Paul said, there's too many in the church right now, they're trying to lay hold of the future, but their hands are full of the past. And see, you can't get your future if your hands are full of the past. And you got to stop looking in the rearview mirror and start looking in the windshield because the windshield is bigger than your rearview mirror. So you got to let go and let God direct you. He knows how to locate you. He knows how to direct you, but he knows how to call you. I love this part because in verse 2, it says, find the coat that never a man sat. <laughs> see, see, a, a, a donkey is a very vile beast. I don't know if you've ever, see, I'm from Alabama, and, uh, you know, we deal with a lot of, lot of animals. And, and, and one thing about a donkey, he's very strong in, in, in strength, but, 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 but his mind, Lord Jesus, he just, he, oh, God, if there is something that a donkey don't want to do, then you're not going to get that donkey to do it. I don't care how much you kick him in his donkey. I don't care how much you try to pull that donkey. I don't care how many times you try to slap that donkey. I don't care if you try to paint a picture for the donkey so you can show the donkey which way to go and which way not to go. That kind of reminds me of people in the church. Praise God. Uh, you almost want to. <laughs> Glory to God. Uh, uh, but I ain't talking about that today. Praise God. Uh, this thing he said that never a man sat on him before. So, so you, not, you, you know Jesus can't be talking about purity. Because the donkey is not a pure beast. Uh, it's, not, it's, a, it's a vile beast. It's, it's not, he didn't say a dove. He said a donkey. <laughs> Praise God. And so, so I had to think, well, what was Jesus talking about? Because I began to think about Mary. Mary was a very pure woman. She was, she was young and had never been with a man before. And, and she was pure above all women. And she was able to carry the master for nine months. And uh, Praise God. And in order for you to carry the master, you got to be pure. Praise God. Uh, you can't be walking around pregnant with the master if you're not pure and we got a lot of Christians think that they got the master in them but they're not pure and the master is not going to be in somebody that's not pure and you're not going to give birth to something holy unless you're already pure talk to me somebody see this is the kind of preaching that get preachers like me in trouble because I start talking about changing your lifestyle But what I read in the word of God, pure is pure. 
And God is not going to be putting up with all of this mixture that we got going on in the church. And so he, I had to go deeper than purity, and he, God took me down to purpose. Praise God. See, this was an animal that didn't know its purpose. See, when, when you're down the road, out of place, all tied up at a crossroads, you don't know what your purpose is. And that's what the devil is doing to a lot of people in the church. You're tied up with so much stuff that you don't even know what your purpose is. Why has God called me? What has he called me to do? When does he want me to do it? How does God want me to do it? In the church. In the church. In the church. Let the Lord sit on you. See, until the Lord sits on you. Woo, glory to God. Until you allow the Lord. See, that means you got to yield. <laughs> See, God ain't going to sit on you if you're not going to yield. He said, look, look, he said, if you just humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he said, he will exalt you in due season. See, it may not be your season because you won't let him sit on you. Now, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Let me give you this last one. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Let me, let me give you this last one. You ready for the last one? Come on, come on. And so he knows how to locate you. You got that one right. Amen. He knows how to direct you. He knows how to call you. And he knows how to deliver you. Praise God. See, 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 what we need to see here, beloved, is that the Lord called for him when he was all tied up. He didn't wait for you to get yourself together. <laughs> he didn't wait for you to figure out how to get out of the crossroads. Oh, my God. Are you guys seeing this with me today? Praise God, but this thing is exploding in my heart because I see myself. I was the donkey. Yes, sir. The donkey's name was John. I know you didn't know it, but I'm telling you. If you had asked him, he would have said, it's John. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if Jesus had asked him, ask the coldest name. He's going to say, it's John. It was me, it was me, it was me, and it was you. It was you, it was you, it was you, it was you. It's Daryl. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's Tim. It was all of us up in there. Because all of us can relate to being a donkey. All of us have been tied up. And see, and see, see, here, here's the thing here. See, the Lord sent me on this Passion Sunday to tell you that you may be all tied up, but you got the victory in Jesus. Because, see, there's so much stuff that we can be tied up with. See, you can be tied up in anger, tied up in addictions, tied up in affairs, tied up in bitterness, tied up in a civil suit, tied up in demons, tied up in frustration, tied up in depression, tied up in fornication. Tied up in lust, tied up in laziness, tied up in strife, tied up in sexual perversion, tied up in unforgiveness, tied up in bitterness, tied up in witchcraft. But oh, I came to tell somebody in here, you may be all tied up this morning, but the Lord sent me here to tell the devil to loose you and let you go this morning. I wish I had two or three people to stand up on your feet and say, Lord, loose me. Come on, come on, Lord, loose me this morning. 
See, he told him, he said, loose him and let him go. He's ready to loose you this morning. He want to loose you from everything that you've been tied up with. Some of you have been tied up with the wrong relationships. And the reason you all tied up is because you, you had a crossroads and won't make the right decision. See, the man of God went to the children of God. He said, well, I hope you between two opinions. If God be God, then follow him. But if Baal be God, then follow Baal. And the Bible said that the people never answered a word. But the failure to make a decision, saints of God, is a decision. Some of you got to make a decision right now. You got to decide. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of being tied up. Some people are tied up with the wrong leaders. I call this message the odd couple because when I see this picture, I'm like, when we see something so holy riding in on something so horrible, it's an odd couple. Why would something so mighty ride in on something so mundane? Why would something so pure Ride in on something so dirty. Wow. You see, I've, I, how many of you guys been to a lot of weddings? Yeah. See, just imagine you go to this wedding, right? And you in the sanctuary, and and you and you and you and you looking, and you's like, and and you know it's the groom, but you're looking like, hmm, he's dirty, stinking. Using all kinds of vile language, unapproachable and confrontational and mean, nasty. But then the doors fling open and you look back and you go, my God, she's gorgeous. For a moment, that's what you think. But then, then you think, how? How in the world? And you know, you, you, you're thinking to yourself, come on now, let's go and get the spiritual out of it. Go and get the spiritual. You're thinking, how in the H-E-L-L did something like that get connected with something like this? But see, in the kingdom, Jesus is the groom. Glory to God. And, and when you look at Jesus, he's holy and uh, he's pure and, and, and he's glorious. But then when the door flings open and we come in. Woo, and you look back and you go, how? Look at this dirty, vile people. You want to marry this? Such an odd couple. That a holy God will want me to carry him. Why would a holy God want to be connected with somebody like us? This is the message of hope. That you don't have to have yourself all together.
You don't have to make all the right choices. He already died. And in essence, what he says, over 2,000 years ago, he said to every one of you sitting in this church, I want you to carry me. He says, I want to ride in on your back. See, when, when you look at the deep essence of what this really is, I don't have time to teach it right now, but let me just share this with you, that the donkey represented a group of people that Jesus would ride in on, those people are the same people that the Jews rejected. See, the donkey represents the Gentile church. Come on, come on, come on. Jesus says, I'm going to ride in on the church. And they're going to rain down palm branches. Because the church is ushering me in. The church is carrying in my presence into Jerusalem. And that's the way it's going to be when we come back. See, when he cracks open that sky, we're coming back with him. Why? Because of what he did over 2,000 years ago. This is Palm Sunday. Everything changed on today. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number 3.org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.